Welcome to Thunder Thighs and Lightning, a true life comedy podcast about the modern day hustle. I'm Kristen. And I'm Kat. And this podcast has been deemed explicit due to crass language and the absurdity of who we are. Pants are not required. Kat. Hey. Hey. So for today's nope episode, because it's the holidays, I wanted to tell you the story of Canada's Lady Santa. I love to see you in the Christmas spirit. (laughs) We just decorated my tree. It's gorgeous. Which I have a tree this year, you guys. We'll post it on Instagram. Um, It's, well, let me rephrase that. Kat just decorated my tree. I totally decorated her tree. (laughs) She bought all the ornaments. And that's kind of the story of my life. But um, Nancy Fulford is her name. And I reached out to her and uh, on Facebook and she's connected with us. And so hopefully in the future we can kind of have a follow up to this episode because she seems like such a badass babe. She sounds so rad. Um, but for now, uh, her story takes place in the 1970s. But I want to flash back before that and tell you the history of women in Christmas stories and the female Santa Clauses that are in like westernized countries. Um, so my source material is. A uh, article called The Lady Santa Controversy of 1979 by um, Jamie Bradburn. The Smithsonian Magazine article by Greg Doherty called In World War II America, Female Santas Took the Reins. The 80-Year Fight for a Female Santa in MelMagazine.com by Tracy Moore. And um, she landed a job playing Santa Claus at a suburban mall and unwittingly spurred a human rights fight. That's the title. Awesome. By uh, Tiana Martin, and that was for the Globe and Mail. Um, So the the article that's titled The 80-Year Fight for Female Santa leads with this quote. To state the obvious, yes, Santa and St. Nicholas, his Greek bishop of origin, are both historically men. But what real men could ever pull off that much multitasking? What man could maintain and update the naughty list with such infallible precision? What man could oversee the production of the largest gift delivery service the world over and manage to get every single package to every deserving child on time without fail? How do you think Santa knows what you really want? Because he's a woman. Oh, Love it so much. I love that. So by history, um, with my research and all these articles, 1849 was the very first mention of Mrs. Claus in a story by James Reese called A Christmas Legend. Um, I read a few pages of that, and it's a real fucking weird story. It's kind of like Stephen King, shapeshifter, Santa like sneaking Krampus-y in. kind of? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like a little Krampusy. It's like Santa sneaks in in the night, but he's kind of this, yeah, this mysterious dark figure. And they mentioned a Mrs. Claus, not necessarily a female Santa. In 1906, Feline's department store, which was in Boston, hired their very first Mrs. Claus. So again, this was this was a woman who was Santa's partner. Yeah. So not a lady Santa. Uh, flash forward 30 years to 1937. Charles W. Howard founded the Charles W. Howard Santa Claus School in New York, which 
Get more creative on your name, bro. Sounds a little creepy, <laughs> You're like, Why is there a school My name Santa? is Charles Howard, and I would like to start a Santa school. What will I call it? <laughs> Charles Howard Santa School. Oh, my God. I bet um, it seems like Har- like Howie, but then he wanted to make himself sound a little bit more official. Chuck Howard? Chuck Howard. Um, oh, and I actually put a note here, because of course this narcissist named a school after himself. Why not? Past me in doing this research knows today me. So there were two women in his first class, and they were be tra- being trained as Mrs. Clauses, so Santa's partners. Um, they were trained to, quote, Greet little girls, learn what they want in their Christmas stockings, teach them how to play with dollies, dollhouses, dishes, and clothes, and she'll have to be good looking too. <laughs> Which is, it's just so, you know, fucking I always think, antiquated. When I think like a Mrs. Claus, I think like a jolly and gray haired and like kind of chubby, right. making cookies. But of course, like, in Chuck Howard's Chucky D's, not like tips Chucky H's. <laughs> life (laughs) um santa was an old fat guy and of course how did his wife look hot (laughs) she was hot and she needed to teach girls how to like play with dolls and be hot oh my god sounds like you have there chucky dubs (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) or like yeah it's it's really anyone in the current whatever in 1941, <laughs> I, digress. I digress. In 1941, four years later, uh, the St. Louis Star Times predicted that World War II would lead to women possibly taking over the roles of Santa, because, like we knew, women were taking over many of the roles when women or when men were drafted and shipped off to war, and they were just like flooding into industry and warehouses. Yeah, and, no big deal. Just like building planes and shit. Yeah, and taking Sorry. care of everything at home yeah. at the same time. We're doctors now. Um, Thank you so much for allowing us. But the the paper, I'm sorry, did concede that the that first lady Eleanor Roosevelt might be right that a woman's place is in the office, factory, courtroom, marketplace, corner filling station, and other locations too numerous to mention. The St. Louis Star Times drew the line at Santa. They were like, women can do all of those things, but they can't sit in a weird throne and talk to children. <laughs> <laughs> like what they do every day. Oh my god! So um, the next year, 1942, it was the first the first female Santa started appearing in the U.S. Um, World War II lasted from 1939 to 1945, and it, like I said, it created this vacuum of able-bodied men. Um, so when women were stepping into a bunch of those roles, a Chicago department store hired their first female Santa. So not a Mrs. Claus, Santa, and She's a woman. Um, Woolworths in New Jersey that same year hired Anna Michelson, who was a mother of eight. Um, They couldn't find a man to do it. And I just want to note that every source pretty much said it was because the men that they had to choose from had poor hygiene and bad manners. Oh, my God. So, like, when all of the bright young men got shipped off, you know, sort of bright young men got shipped off to war, it was, like, these old drunks and then there's these, like, young drunks. Oh, my God. And so I'm sort of uh, taking some liberties there. But just they had to start to look to women who were, like, very proper, had a good way with 
children, um, knew how to show up on time and present themselves professionally and take care of themselves. Not smell like a bag of dicks. When you Not just like smell like they climbed out of a dumpster. Children sitting on your lap telling you their hopes and dreams. <laughs> exactly. Feel. Oh, this isn't <laughs> creepy at all. So Anna Michelson got hired in New Jersey at Woolworths and she just said straight up, I'm wearing traditional Santa gear. I'm not wearing a skirt. I'm not Mrs. Claus. I'm Santa. Um, and then at that exact same time, it was when that opposition started happening where a lot of journalists were just penning these op-eds that were super, super dumb. I mean, in my opinion, Harold McLemore, who was one of the journalists, he wrote that he received the shock of his life. <laughs> what was going on with that dude? But the shock of his life came as like a 20 something journalist who saw a lady in a Santa costume. Never mind that it's wartime. <laughs> no, yes, exactly. There were like men coming back maimed from war. But and he was like, the shock of my life Santa was seeing a lady in a fake man Santa pants. He'll never be able to unsee that image. He said he saw the. Um, Shock of his life when he first saw a female Santa. Another columnist wrote in the Geneva Daily Times that, quote, no Mrs. Santa can possibly stand the strain a real Santa has to undergo. And that's one of the things that I read where I was like, a real Santa? Santa's not fucking real. Okay, whoa. <laughs> okay, sorry. If there's any kids listening to this, I'm sorry. A for the F-bombs. Also, me. <laughs> Don't ruin my drapes. Women bear children. They raise them. They take care of entire households. They do everything, and so especially back then. Yeah. And so I don't know, like if you've ever been looking at those good housekeeping articles from the '40s and '50s when they're like, "How to take care of your husband when he gets home from work," and they're like, "Don't talk. The fucking kids don't talk. You greet him at the door, but don't dress like a slut, and you need to like keep your mouth shut, rub his feet, get him a drink, and then it's just like." If that's how women were living, let's presume that Santa's real. <laughs> how could we not stand the strain of being around kids who were sitting on our laps and happy and some parents who were needing things? And I don't know, that kids wanting us to like tell them what they wanted for Christmas. I think that probably women were best suited for that. I feel like, yeah, this is crazy. And also, I have said this to you before, but like in prepping for this research. But if I was a, if I was like a woman who was married at that time and, and the general, and I wanted to be a Santa at the mall and the general consensus was women can't be Santa because they can't handle the pressure. My husband was against it. It would just I would kind of just look at him facetiously and be like, I don't know, babe, where could I get inspiration to only work one day a year and be lazy as fuck and feign interest in children and sit around waiting for the women and the smaller people to take care of those needs? It would be a real hard press for me to find someone. Here's your sandwich, babe. And we're back. Uh, so in 1943, the next year, Daisy Belmore, who was a British actress, accepted the job of Mrs. Santa at Saks in New York. So finally, it was like starting to spread. Um, and there was a story I read of her asking a little girl what she wanted for Christmas. And the little girl just looked up at her and said, I want a machine gun. <laughs> and I just 
same. I don't exactly. <laughs> I like I like to think that little girl growing up to be such a fucking badass. Totally. Um, that same year, Max Factor released a photo of the ideal Santa Claus. Um, but for ladies, it sort of Max Factor has always been, you know, really, really future and forward thinking in terms of like style and they just released this photo that was like super masculine masculinized versions so no more skirts and like focusing on those kind of things that was in 1943 which oh, was wow. kind of a long time ago yeah following year in 44 several women began to dress as santa and ring bells for the volunteers of america around christmas time I so that, that sort of salvation army volunteers of america standing by the little change collectors uh, there was a story of a 62-year-old grandmother, Phoebe Seabrook, and she, they described her as a very short, slight woman, and she was playing Santa's wife. So, like, she wasn't out there as Santa, but she was ringing that bell by herself and saying, I'm Santa's wife. And when challenged by some of the kids who said that they didn't even think Santa had a wife, she was known to reply, well, he's got one now. <laughs> which is so awesome I, I like picture it in this like smoker's voice yes well he's got one now he's sweetie got a cocktail hanging out of the other hand absolutely um so 10 years later in 1953 the idea of mrs claus kind of started catching up in pop culture started showing up in different social references different songs and books um, and it wasn't like for another 50 years, there were very like various beliefs and disagreements about women being Santa. Nancy Fulford, whose story I'm going to get to, <laughs> um, she fell somewhere in the middle of that in 79. Um, in 1995, Donna Underwood was hired to play Santa at a West Virginia mall. People complained. She was fired. She sued she lost four years later marta brown was hired to be a santa at a kentucky walmart complaints fired sues yeah, loses kentucky. right over and over in 2018 two women volunteered weren't even hired but to play santa in an english christmas parade and the town city council objected because men have been doing the job so well for 50 years <laughs> and then i wrote this down one counselor even said if that lady wants to do it, she can, but she's got to realize if anything happens to her, it is her own fault. I would not stop anybody, but I'll have to find out tomorrow night if they've got plenty of men to do the job. And if they have, I'll be against it. Just oh. straight out of the gate. He's like, someone's going to beat her up and we can't protect her. Wow. Because fuck ladies trying to be Santa and bring joy to children. So wild. All right. So now I want to come to Nancy Fulford's story. Um, born, born in 1958 or 1959, I couldn't really tell based on my research, although if we hear back from her personally, Nancy, tell us when you were born. Um, uh, so I don't know much about her familial history. I know that her father's name was Wayne and she had at least one brother named David and that she grew up in Canada. Um, like I said, I sent her a message and she got back to us. And when she got back to me, she was like, she lives in um, New Zealand now. Oh, that's awesome. So one of the things I asked her in terms of questions was like, what it's like, what is it like to live in a country that takes the pandemic seriously? <laughs> Waiting to hear back from her. But one of my favorite yeah. things, because she's a professor um, at university and she at a uh, Wellington University, which is an all 
uh, girls' school. And she was like, I have to get back to you later because it's our spring break and we're caravanning. We're caravanning around New Zealand going to beaches. That's so magical. I know. So um, let's let's take it back. Mid-November 1979, Nancy Fulford was in Canada. She was a vibrant 20-year-old woman who was taking time off from college. She needed a job. There was a 2019 article that stated that she needed income partly because the holidays were coming and partly because she had just found out that she was pregnant. Um, at the local job center, she saw one that appealed to her at the Scarborough, Scarborough Morningside Mall that was in the suburbs of where she was living. They were hiring a mall Santa. So she showed up and auditioned for the job. She was a theater major. She had done some character acting. She kind of thought she was a shoe in. Um, the mall manager was skeptical a little bit at first, but he ended up signing a four-week contract with her right around the Christmas holiday. Um, she was confident, outgoing. She was a committed feminist who was studying theater, like I had said, and she just knew that she'd be a perfect fit, and she beat out two men for that job. That's badass. Yeah. Um, she said at the time, I think for the most part, the kids and parents couldn't tell. I even had some middle-aged women flirting with me. <laughs> if children are fooled by a false beard, red suit, a story about an arrival from the North Pole via reindeer, then they'll probably be fooled by Santa's sex. No shit. <laughs> Which is exactly the point, right? Yeah. Not a real dude. Uh, so she borrowed her father's St. Nick suit from his annual role at, their, at his office Christmas party, and she modified it to fit her frame. Um, and then she was also pregnant at the time. So she had a belly, like that fat fuck Santa. <laughs> <laughs> and just immediately when she started, complaints started coming in from mall merchants, from parents who oh, were like, lady, God. Santa doesn't make sense. And after just two days on the job, the mall manager called Nancy and said he had to let her go due to those complaints. And at the time, she actually recommended her younger brother take the role. But then he got fired just because, like, people knew he was in her family, oh. which is just batshit. I mean, this is like the 70s. It's not that long ago. Um, so on November 28th, she filed a complaint with the Ontario Human Rights Commission alleging gender discrimination. Badass. Um, and at the same time, another Canadian woman, Pauline Hennigan, had also been fired for not adding a beard to her Santa costume, which, again, she was just like, the kids will get it. It's not that they think that I'm an old fat guy. It's that they think and they believe in the idea of Santa. Mm -hmm. And the important part is that we're emphasizing the idea of Santa and bringing you gifts, not yeah. that I look a certain way. Um, she threatened to file a complaint against the mall she was fired from. Um, and immediately they rehired her to um, just, like, avoid any lawsuits. But then the, that mall also hired a male Santa. So as a family, you could show up and choose which Santa you wanted. Which I don't – I didn't dive more into that. I wonder. Yeah. I if I was a mom, I would show up and be like, please take my kid to the other possible mom here. Yeah. The other lady, not this creepy old fuck. Yeah. Who's like, come sit on my lap, the kids. The drunk guy. The fuck, yeah, the drunk guy who's like at, from a truck stop. No offense, truck stops. I'd rather have the, like, the drunk mom. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> 
I like, like that in mine and your scenario, all of the mall Santas are intoxicated. I feel like you'd have to be to like deal with that many kids that are just I like. I feel like you and I think that we would have to be that drunk to deal with kids, period. I oh probably. In all seasons and yeah. holidays. Well, all kids. I mean like I can pick a select few that I'd be totally down to hang out with. Sure. But all just kids, like the masses, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. For no, sure. Nope, nope, nope. Teachers, I don't know how you do it. Bless you. <laughs> So unlike Pauline Hennigan, Nancy Fulford was not rehired. Letters just started pouring into the local news outlets. There's calls um, poured into the mall. The Globe and Mail and the Star were showing up at her door. And she even received a letter from a Canadian Mountie proposing to her. Which is like, yeah. Either it's a romantic thing ever. Either no. like a holiday rom-com. It's totally a rom-com. Or it's like creepy stalker serial killer shit. Hey, did you get fired? I'd like to come see your house. This is some Roco. Wait. <laughs> Roco. Roco. Nancy's father asked her, so what's it like being the spokesperson for the feminist movement? It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe like a little bit shallow. But, still, but at the time. At the time. And he was very, very proud of her. Um, and then I said, just before Christmas 79 is when my parents were first got married. They got married on December 15th, 1979. Oh, so, like, right at this shit. exact same time. Um, which means that this will be airing right around their 41st wedding anniversary. Oh, my gosh. Maybe on the exact date. I don't know when this is going to air. But at that, ex at that same time, she goes hired to play Santa at a local toy store. And that seemed that job seemed to be going better. Um, parents were more receptive. But then one day she notes that she was sitting there and the manager said, why not a sexy Santa for a change? Like trying to encourage her to like get a short skirt oh. and do all this other shit. Anyways, her human rights complaint, it was finally resolved in January of 1980. And she received five hundred dollars. Well, that was a check from the mall owners for the discrimination. She notes at the time that she was just happy to receive it because it could pay her rent. Um, I looked it up and $500 in 1980 bucks is about $1,784. So today. Wow. So basically jack shit. Yeah. For being like yeah. sexually and gender discriminated against. Um, and that is not where Nancy's story ends, but we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back to you with you to tell you where she's at now. So our girl, Nancy Fulford, she went on later in life to attend Victoria University of Wellington and she got a master of arts and she also has a BA in theater and uh, film from a school in Montreal, along with women's studies and creative writing degrees. Oh, fucking hey, Nancy. Badass. Um, so over, for over 20 years, she has operated Moving on Arts, and it's an arts facilitation organization that provides community development and educational support across art sectors in New Zealand. She's the head of the Drama and Dance Department at Wellington East Girls College in New Zealand, and she's also affiliated, and this is like made my heart sing, with Feminist, so like feminist, but because they're part of like... Uh, Eastern, the Eastern part of New Zealand, Feminist. Oh, that's badass. And it's a club of feminist young women who are conscious of the fact that it's important to continue to lobby for women's rights. The students from Feminist had this to say, we are sick of the expectation that girls see each other as competition and we want to look into the future from this year on as a united front of young women. 
We do not strive to fit into a man's world, but create an equal one. Dope. Love that. Powerful. Love that. Each year they host uh, Purple Power Week. It happened in July of 2020, even with um, the pandemic going on. Because as we all know, in New Zealand, they have it under control or have it a lot more under control than where we're uh, recording from. And they try to spread the message of gender equality through events, conversations, and education. And so the, their website says, what started in 2015 as a school-based movement has now spread nationally throughout New Zealand. And their goal is to make an international movement to just continue to do this Purple Power Week and uh, push forward the like rights of young women, but also women in general, and make it an equal playing field, not a... Let's bring women to where the men are at, but let's just make it all equality. That's rad. Um, and then I just wanted to end. I said, so basically I chose Nancy Fulford's story because what started out as a move to get a job to pay her rent and possibly save for her future and her child's future snowballed into not like an international women's rights campaign, but it spiraled into her lifetime of feminist rights uh, women's rights, just civil and social services, which is super cool. I think yeah. she was like already there, but this catalyst of, oh, I showed up for a job that I knew I could do. I was clearly qualified for, got fired right away based on having a vagina and uh, blossomed this much like bigger um, future for her where she has impacted so many people. Uh, to this day, she's still a feminist and an advocate for representation and equity. She, Like I said, she lives in New Zealand. Um, but I just read that, like, everything I read is that, like, she's still fighting for gender equality. Um, one of the quotes <laughs> that I saw is that she said, Look at Donald Trump. He was elected U.S. president after boasting on tape about sexually assaulting women. And those are just like the things internationally that kind of motivate her to keep being part of feminist and keep um, educating and encouraging younger women in the subsequent generations to just like stand up and fight. And I just feel like I want her to be like our cool fucking auntie. I know. Well, or she, something. She is. When she got back to us, I was just <laughs> like, like just, sorry, you're yes, our auntie now. Nancy, okay auntie Nancy. <laughs> we miss you so much. Um, and then also I wanted to let everyone know that in 2019, she played Santa at her office Christmas party. Fucking rat. Do you think that the state mandate has affected Santa's ability to come down your chimney into your house this year? Not unless he has proper PPE and he, like, stays away at least at six. And he can't eat any cookies. Nothing. I'll Nothing. eat the cookies for him. Same. <laughs>